So the title of this sermon is Liminal Space, and I don't know if you've heard that phrase before or if that's new to you, and if you were to Google it right now and look up the definition of it, you might find something like this. The word liminal comes from the Latin root, limen, which means threshold. The liminal space is the crossing over space. It's a space where you have left something behind, yet you are not yet fully in something else. It's a transition space. It's a kind of transition space that graduates are in when they graduate from college, right? They are leaving schooling behind. For many people, they've been in school most of their lives. And they are now moving into a different space, not quite sure where they'll live, perhaps, or where they will work. The new thing has not come, so it's in between. Kind of like being in a pandemic that we're in right now. And also like being where the disciples are. As we begin this series in Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, we are going to be in Acts chapter 1. And I want to lead us in prayer before we hear scripture and also um, talk about it. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, the very living presence of God who has come to us in Jesus Christ and walked into death and been raised to new life, we pray for your Holy Spirit wherever we are, scattered and separate and yet together as your people. Come upon us so we can hear you speak to us this day. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So Acts, this is after the four Gospels, after the Gospel of John, first chapter, the first 14 verses. It's volume two from the Gospel of Luke. Listen to God's word to you. In the first book, Theophilus, which is a man's name, it means lover of God. I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, 
which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. When you think about the journey of the disciples and they had long ago left behind their former life when Jesus came to them and called them to follow him. And if you go into the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew or any of the Gospels, you will find Jesus come, coming to the boat of Peter and Andrew and James and John and saying, follow me. And they left everything and they followed him. So everything became centered around Jesus, who he was and what he was doing day by day. So now they're watching him disappear. They had watched him disappear before in a way when he died, but then he was raised and he was with them again, and now they're watching him taken up into heaven. And they're just staring, and you can imagine why. Really, you don't know what they're thinking, but I'm wondering if they're thinking, really, you're really gonna be gone? And what are we supposed to do now? We left everything to follow you, build our life around you, basically to go where you go. Well, these two men in white robes, angels, uh, convinced them that they need to quit staring up into the sky and follow the instructions that Jesus gave. And what were those instructions? They were supposed to stay there in Jerusalem, which, by the way, is not their home, right? But they're supposed to stay in Jerusalem. 120 of them are gathering together. That's a lot of people. And uh, that's a place of promise, the place of God's presence. So it makes sense that they would stay there. They are to wait for the promise of God, which is the coming of the Holy Spirit. They're not sure what that means, what that's going to look like. And how long are they supposed to wait? Let's see, the phrase was, not many days from now, you will receive the promise of the Father. Uh, how long will that be? And after a while, as they're waiting in that room and praying, maybe they're thinking, maybe we should be doing something more productive than just sitting here every day praying. So you can't blame them when they hear Jesus' instructions and they want something concrete to hang on to. And so they ask the question that seems to be automatic for maybe all of us, which is, is are you going to fix the politics now in this world? Is now the time, they ask, that you will restore the kingdom to Israel, which is the best political outcome that they can imagine in their own imagination of what God might want for politics? Interesting, because Jesus had been teaching them for 40 days. They had just had a 40-day seminar on the kingdom of God, and obviously they didn't get the point because Jesus doesn't really answer their question. And so more letting go was needed for them. And they are taken into this liminal space, this in-between what is familiar, what they know, Jesus in the flesh with them, and the new thing is coming. But they are in that in-between, that vulnerable place of not knowing, the place that we want to get through as fast as we can, right? Because it is so uncomfortable. And yet it is a formational time. It is a very important formational time. 
In fact, liminal space is such a formational time that down through the centuries, Christians have sought it out, intentionally going on pilgrimages so they can be away from what is familiar and enter into that space where they are forced to wait on God for the future that God is bringing and for where God's leading them. I have been fortunate to go on many pilgrimages, which I chose because they were pilgrimages and they were intentionally set up to be reflecting uh, during that time in a deep way. And one of the pilgrimages I had the chance to go on uh, in 2006 was to Ireland. And I found out about this uh, pilgrimage that was led through the School of Theology in Vancouver, Canada. And so my cousin and I, a good friend of hers, we were with like 45 Canadians in this big bus in Ireland, the Republic of Ireland. And it started out on the Dingle Peninsula, and that's the western side, beautiful part of that island. And everything on the Dingle Peninsula really is about St. Brendan. And Brendan was this Irish monk in the sixth century um, doing what they did at that time, which is they would set out, not necessarily on a pilgrimage to go somewhere and come back, but they would set out in a boat in the water and they would just go and let the wind take them and just trust that God would take them where God wanted them to be. In the 10th century, there was someone who wrote about uh, the voyage of St. Brendan the Navigator, and the Irish loved to tell stories, and so this is full of incredible stories, including how these monks got in a boat, St. Brendan with them, and uh, they even ended up landing on top of a whale. We just can't get away from whales, can we? So instead of a pilgrimage where you go somewhere and come back, the Irish monks would go one way, into the unknown, intentionally into the unknown. So as we were on the Dingle Peninsula with our guides, we had two guides, and one of the guides um, teaching there at the School of Theology was doing her doctorate on liminal space, on uh, pilgrimage. And so we went down to the water where uh, it is said that St. Brendan launched out in his little flimsy coracle with these other Irish monks and told them as they were launching out, do not be afraid, God will guide us. So she taught us about liminal space and how it goes with pilgrimage in three stages. The leaving home, which is the endings. Second stage is the liminal journey, which is the unknown in between. The third stage is returning home, a new beginning. So we were led in this exercise where all of us were given a little piece of paper and some pens and things to draw with and just to spend time illustrating where are we in our own pilgrimage? in life. And when we finished drawing or illustrating, we had the chance to take that piece of paper and put, I think, a stick or something on it to turn it into a sail. So it was a mast, and it was meant to be our coracle, our way of launching out. And as each of us shared what we had on that, that sail, our own liminal space, at the end of each person's sharing, we said this refrain, God is our pilot. Trust in the wind over and over, 45 times. God is my pilot. Trust in the wind. In my journal, I wrote how moving that time was for me, these brief words. Moving to me, trust God like Brandon. Pilgrimages are often moving. 
And they are often transformational experiences because you're putting yourself in this liminal space. You're choosing it. You're, you're setting it up for that purpose. And I think it can prepare us for those liminal spaces we don't choose and we don't really want, like this pandemic, like unemployment, like being sick. We don't want to lean in to this significant pause as a formational time. We actually want to get through it as fast as we can. And I'm just imagining that that's exactly how the disciples felt. They wanted Jesus right there, just like they'd had him, and then got him back after he died. And I'm sure that he's coming back the same way you saw him go, well, that they were thinking, okay, like now, tomorrow, while we're sitting here praying. But as they were wanting to get through that time as fast as they could, they were also doing some practices where they were trusting in God's promise. And they were doing that together in community. And they were doing that together in prayer. You know, there's a... Father Richard Rohr uh, wrote this quote about liminal space. It was brought to a, um, a group, small group that I'm in of women. We call ourselves the Amas. And we were reflecting together in community, in prayer, on this particular quote. He writes this, Liminal space is an inner state and sometimes an outer situation where we can begin to think and act in new ways. It is where we are betwixt and between, having left one room or stage of life, but not yet entered the next. We usually enter liminal space when our former way of being is challenged or changed perhaps during illness, or it's a grace time, but often does not feel graced in any way. In such space, we are not certain or in control. This global pandemic we now face is an example of an immense collective liminal space. Powerful quote. And then we were asked to think about what is there in this quote that really speaks to you and the phrase in here that really spoke to me was, we can begin to act, think and act in new ways. That seems true to me for my own self, but it also seems true to me for the church. As we are between what we've been able to do, to gather in the sanctuary and worship and sing and be together all generations, and what's next? And there has been such a desire to get back in this sanctuary together. And yet we are aware that when we do, we probably won't be able to sing. We will be having masks on. We won't have children's messages. We won't be gathering together over food to visit afterward. So much of what we love about worship and our gathering on Sunday morning will not be possible to us. So I guess it's not surprising that a church in Palo Alto, the Presbyterian Church in Palo Alto, after much research and discernment, decided not to meet in their sanctuary for the remainder of 2020. They announced that, which I think has been somewhat shocking, and yet also revelatory, and perhaps an example of leaning into this liminal space and waiting on God, what God has for us, now, our session has not made that decision, but I think our session is willing to wait and pray and trust God's promises and see what is it? What is it in terms of 
thinking and acting in new ways that help us be the church in this time and in this place. So we're in this significant pause, what I call our pandemic Camino. The Camino in Spain is a pilgrimage that's fairly popular and well-known. And as you walk on a pilgrimage, you are letting yourself leave some things behind and move toward a new way of being, which is what the disciples did in Acts 1. They did it trusting God's promises. They did it in community, in prayer, as we are doing the church together here at Trinity. It's a formational time in more ways than we can know. Several years ago, a movie came out called The Way, and it's actually credited with making the Camino, uh, this pilgrimage in Spain, popular. A Camino that's been around for a long, long time, which takes you all the way to Compostela. It's a sacred pilgrimage. And the story is, uh, the main character is played by Martin Sheen, and he's playing um, a doctor named Tom, who is somewhat of a workaholic in California, and his son decided to walk the Camino in Spain, uh, much to his father's chagrin. They don't have a great relationship with each other. And tragically, the son, at the beginning of this Camino, dies in the mountains. So Tom drops everything at work, and he goes all the way over to Spain in order to get his son's ashes and to retrieve his things. And when he gets over there, he decides not to rush back to his work in California, but to finish and to walk the Camino that his son intended to walk, wearing his backpack, using his walking stick, taking the ashes and scattering them along the way. This ends up being an incredibly transformational time for him as he walks with other pilgrims in community on a prayed-over path. And he starts out as this very grumpy, bitter, exhausted man. And by the time he gets to the end of the Camino, he is transformed, he is reconciled with himself, with his son, and with God. Letting go of what was. Trusting God for an unknown future. Not rushing out of that liminal space, however painful it may be, but letting it have its way with him, with us. I think it's interesting that Mary, the mother of Jesus, is mentioned by name in this list of all the apostles. And there are other women but in a, a time when the women didn't matter as much, it mattered that Mary was there, and Luke wants us to know that. And not only is she the only woman mentioned by name, but I think she's the only person in that room who knew firsthand how important it was to wait on the promise of God through an uncertain gestation time, trusting God for a future that ended up blowing everyone out of the water beyond what anyone could imagine. It's not romanticized. Her life was not easy. It was hard. There was a lot of suffering in that journey. But she knew what the rest of the disciples came to know too, that the liminal space that they were in together could not be rushed. It should not be rushed because God was using it to birth a new thing in them and a new thing through them, where they learned to say 
and they learn to believe God is my pilot. Trust in the wind. Let's pray. God, we ask for your spirit to slow us down in this liminal space that is painful in many ways. Nurturing us in some ways where you want us to see and notice what that is in the slowing down. Oh Lord, where we would be quick to rush back to what is familiar and comfortable and feels safe and is known and certain. We pray that you will loosen our grip on trying to be in control and to be completely open to where your spirit is taking us. Each one of us, but all of us together as your people, as your church, as we miss one another, as we miss being face to face, show us what you're birthing and what you want to bring as, as we are faithfully your church and your people in the world, your risen, embodied Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.